Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. Okay, so where did we last leave our plucky heroes in the world of Vikings? <laughs> this week we're going to focus more on the England side of things, and next time we'll get into the France side of things for Season 3 in Vikings. And yes, welcome to History and Film. <laughs> if, you're, if you're new to the show, <laughs> I apologize? Like, <laughs> this is a little bit of a... Again, I hate to call it a filler, but we are just kind of... It's a departure. It's a departure. It's a departure from our normal episodes. Yes. What we normally do. Yes, we're just kind of having some fun talking about the show Vikings and some of the historical things and not-so-historical things in that show. And this fall, we'll be getting into American history, one movie at a time, in chronological order, very similar to what we did with world history. So this is just kind of a, a hiatus. Or instead of going on hiatus, we wanted to kind of have some fun and talk about the show viking so not a super deep dive here just kind of doing a a survey i always think of goodwill hunting when uh ben affleck's character is trying to pretend that he goes to harvard too when they're at the harvard bar and (laughs) and the and the guy is calling him out on it and he's like oh well you know what what classes or what classes did i you know i have you in or whatever it's like oh history oh just history (laughs) it must have been a survey class yeah, with surveys. <laughs> you should look into it. Um, anyway, so yes, this is our survey survey version. We'll, uh, we'll be handing out surveys at the end to see how well we talked about Vikings. So this is just very, very chaotic. Again, we like the show and how it deals with these historical figures, but at the same time, it definitely just kind of has to stream uh, has to streamline things and just kind of twist them all together i think we joked last time that if they actually did it accurately you wouldn't believe it as a show because it would feel too unrealistic it's like we can't just have 12 kings in 30 years and all i I can't keep track of this show (laughs) like yeah (laughs) you wouldn't be able to keep track of real life (laughs) yeah exactly it's also so much more spread out that you would have like if you were doing it accurately, but like kept the same number of seasons, you would have to have like people age, you know, 50 years in a season. Oh, right. And it'd be like a new cast every single season. It'd be a mess. So like, it's definitely better the way they did it in the show. Yes. Yeah, so so in the, in, in the show here, it starts with the basically Eckbert of Wessex, King of Wessex, a historical king of Wessex, who I always remember first seeing when I was first, like, you know, getting into history and stuff and seeing, like, these old names. I always remember seeing him as Egbert. And it, it, it is, I think, usually written as Egbert. Actually. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there's a different spelling. It's Eckbert in the show and Egbert and on some sites. And I was just kind of, thought that was kind of funny. And then, of course, didn't uh, the comic Dilbert, I think, had a character Egbert and stuff. So I yeah. always thought it was kind of a, seems like a very unking like name. But I, so I think them using Egbert does, does definitely sound a little uh, more uh, intimidating than Egbert, <laughs> King of Wessex. Anyway, he's agreed to help Quinthrith of Mercia against kind of almost like a civil war there with her uncle and recruits Ragnar and basically says hey Ragnar I'll make a deal with you you can kind of help me 
in this fight with uh, Mercia, and I'll kind of give you some land. He basically is making promises and deals with the Vikings in exchange for their help, and they do help, and they defeat Quinthris' uncle. Yes. So that's all in the show. And again, I love the dynamics of Eckbert is real, Quinthris is kind of possibly based on this one princess, and then Ragnar is, of course, a legendary figure, but the Vikings were definitely involved in England at this time. So I like that it's definitely... It's almost like an alternate reality or say a multiverse. If there's a multiverse of history, this is definitely one possible way things, you know, could have played out. Or at least it's the vibe of how things played out. I did make some notes kind of going a little bit into Quinfrith. We talked about her briefly, how her Wikipedia page is is pretty simple. But I was looking at the Kings of Mercia and trying to figure out what's kind of close-ish. And and you do kind of get some things here. so. Her father was a king of Mercia, who was succeeded by her brother. And then when her brother died, their uncle did then take the throne. So you could kind of see how this isn't too far off if Quinthrith had wanted to challenge her uncle's claim. that's right. um, there, there is an historical basis for that dynamic-ish, but this conflict uh, specifically isn't really accurate and doesn't really time out with uh, when uh, Eckbert would have been around. But also, Eckbert did later take control of uh, Mercia himself briefly. And so it's, again, crazy complicated, but there was at least some connections. The historical Quinfrith did have an uncle who did take the throne, and they just kind of made it that, hey, maybe she's trying to challenge him for that. And anything in the show, they actually have him then defeat her uncle, but that's not how... (laughs) Her historical uncle was actually ousted and all those. Anyway, so it's, I don't know. I, I like how they're kind of just uh, using some pieces of it. On that Civil War, just like something that is, I think, kind of cool in the show is they use it as like yet another example of how good the Vikings are at fighting compared oh. to all of the Saxon warriors. Yes. Where they're just like, they just trash them. It's it's almost like they're not even trying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, I don't know how accurate something like that would be. I mean, obviously the Vikings did have a reputation and probably were maybe a, a little bit above. But although we later see, actually, I think in the same season when uh, uh, Wolf wipes out the more civilian Viking farmers. Right. But yes. So the other the other relation they give Quinfrith in the show, and this one is seems to be far less accurate, they have her basically trying to meet up with her brother and she ends up poisoning her brother basically so get him out of the way so she could take the throne of mercia that's just completely made up and then actually the where it gets tricky is a lot of the stuff is i don't remember the names of the characters in the show especially these minor characters so i'm just kind of trusting that the wikipedia summary when it names a character is using the correct name from the show and (laughs) and then it will sometimes then link to the historical proxy of that of that character but i also don't also sometimes those links seem a little like why they even linked to that person anyway it says that uh she poisons her brother burgrid well there is a historical burgrid who was a king of mercia but he was not related to quinthrith the show does that a lot where they'll have like they'll say oh this is you know this character is so and so and it's like oh okay like that name is the name of someone who was alive in this part of the world at this time, but like they didn't live there or they died five years earlier or they were actually, you know, lived in this other place. But yeah, it's like they do a good job with the big characters, but a lot of the side characters have name. And I don't know if this is just because they're like, 
they'll find a historical figure like, ooh, that's a cool name. I'm just going to like name this guy that. Or if just they, you know, have a list of names from people of that time and it just happens to be. Right. Oh, exactly. Like it sound, oh, this name sounds like it, like it would be someone who's from Wessex in 850. So we're going to name this person that. And I guess I don't, I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner, but I think the comparison for the historicity, historicity, what's the history historicalness what is the word i'm looking for <laughs> i feel like there is an osity word here in there somewhere that i'm not making up but we'll move on and just assume everyone knows what i mean but anyway the the, the comp is braveheart i mean we right. always talk about how accurate or not so accurate braveheart is but also anyway i think basically if you think about how braveheart dealt with history is very very similar to how this tv show vikings deals with history but it's also set farther back and is done with some more legendary figures. So I, I just looked it up real quick. Historiosity is a word that means Thank historical you. authenticity. So yes. That is, that is correct. Even though it sounds crazy. Right. It sounds like, a, it sounds a like one of my made up words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do tend to like just put osity at the end of any word to make it like, you know, a noun or an adjective or whatever. So, hey, as long as we know what you mean, it's all good. All <laughs> words are made up. So. <laughs> That's true. It's all arm. I'm just pushing air out my mouth. <laughs> okay, um, and then you were actually going to tell us a little bit more about Aethelwolf than we've uh, had this far. The son of King Eckbert. Yes. And in he, real life as well, yes. Right, yeah. So uh, he is the son of King Eckbert. He succeeded his father as King of Wessex in 839. And that's honestly kind of where the historical accuracy ends. Right. <laughs> Because, uh, well, for one, uh, the Vikings during his reign weren't really that much of a threat. Like, the great heathen army didn't come until later, and, like, the big raids that we think of, like, the raid at Lindisfarne, that was before his time. Right. So, it was actually, and it was precisely because, or due partially to the good relations that he had with Mercia. So, like, even that is completely made up for the show. Hmm. At least, at least at this time. So he wasn't really fighting Vikings, he wasn't fighting Mercia, because they actually had a good relationship, which is why they were pretty strong, and the Vikings didn't mess with them for the most part while he was king. So he, there's not really a ton that's known about him. He wasn't really fighting any big battles or anything. Uh, one thing that is interesting, uh, which I think we actually talked about last I don't remember the last episode or the episode before that, but when we were talking about Judith. Yes. So Judith, as we mentioned, was his second wife, his first wife, and the one who is the mother of all of his children. Her name was Osber or Osberga. Again, kind of like an Egbert, Eckbert kind of thing. Sometimes mm. you see it written one way, sometimes it's written the other way. And he had more kids. So in the show, he only has uh, Ethelred and Alfred. And in real life, he actually had five sons and a daughter. So, like I said, the Great Heathen Army, they didn't show up until his son Ethelred was king. But even there were other kings, like all of his sons ended up being king at some point. Oh, right, right. But the two big ones are, actually there's three. So they're Ethelred, Ethelbald, and then Alfred the Great. One of the things in the show that is uh, also accurate is we see him go on a pilgrimage to Rome. 
which that actually happened. Ah, did he take Alfred? He did. Actually, he took Alfred and Ethelred. Which is what they see in the show. Oh, in the show, he just takes Alfred, right? Right. Yeah. In the show, yeah, he okay. just takes Alfred. In real life, he takes Alfred and Ethelred. And it was basically because like his other sons were already pretty grown up. And so okay. like Ethelred and Alfred were younger. But his father, King Egbert, was dead at this time. So he... he oh, right. He, did, he didn't order the pilgrimage. Exactly. Right. He didn't order the pilgrimage. And it's actually like... No one really knows why he went on this pilgrimage. Oh, <laughs> it's, huh. it's kind of like a, I mean, my, my theory, and this is based on very, very limited research, <laughs> is that he was just kind of bored. <laughs> and like, <laughs> what are you going to do in the 850s? If oh, you're if there's king? peace. If there's peace. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we have this peace. I'm like pretty bored. I'm just going to take my two kids and walk to Rome from Wessex. <laughs> Uh, and so they did. And it was uh, at some point in the 850s, not really sure when when they started the trip. But on the way home was when he met Judith. So uh. Judith is his wife who we see in the show. Uh, it was actually his second wife who he had no children with. But his story with her is actually kind of interesting, too. So he meets her in... She's actually French. She's not even Saxon. Um, right daughter of charles the bald who we'll talk about next time yeah yes so she's judith of flanders um he meets her in the court of charles the bald on his way back from on his way back from rome in 856 and he decides that he's gonna marry her and shows back up into wessex with this new wife and he starts calling her queen says queen judith which that is customarily how you would refer to her in france but in wessex that's not how they did it she's queen consort or sorry she's the wife of the no just wife of the king is the title okay okay yeah you're just wife of the king and so people didn't didn't really like that including uh his son ethelbald and his son actually overthrew him kind of he like had this little revolt and they ended up splitting the kingdom between ethelbald ethelbert which are his two sons and himself is that where kent comes into play maybe then too i saw one of his sons was king of kent yeah i'm not sure if that was like one of the divided kingdoms okay did split up wessex so that each one of them could rule a little part of it okay yeah so they split up the kingdom and then he just kind of spends the rest of his life not really doing anything exciting he's like gets really into giving money to the church and he likes to help poor people by giving him money and then he dies in 858 <laughs> and and is succeeded by Ethel red then right or the other sons are, that's where i'm a little confused so who actually succeeds him so he's <laughs> this is kind of funny so in the show well, well the show the older three kids don't even exist well, i was yeah. gonna say and, and a spoiler alert he dies from a bee sting in the show oh that's right and he like gets all swelled up and basically dies from getting stung by a bee uh, there's no, there's no evidence of that. Like, I, it, yeah, that's so weird. That's a weird thing to make up. Yeah, right. And and there's, there's no evidence of that. And there's no evidence that he died of anything. So the, I guess the, the document that they have, I forget the name of it, but it's like some guy wrote down a bunch of like you know things about the lives and deaths of all of these different monarchs. Oh, yeah. And was obviously you would write like this person died in battle or this person like slipped and fell or this person was assassinated. Like the the ones that are unusual deaths are mentioned. Are definitely noted. Yeah, for him, it's like he died. (laughs) 
He was like kind of old and just kind of died. Uh, uh, at how old? Uh, so he. Uh, well, no, wait, I understand. Kind of old is fifty at this time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he died in eight fifty eight. He was born in seven ninety five. Oh yeah, so he's sixty. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he's sixty, 60 years old. That's that's uh, it's getting up there, especially for the ninth century. <laughs> yes, in the ninth <laughs> century. That's ancient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he just kind of died, um, and then this is kind of funny too so judas who was he was calling queen judas if you're keeping track of the dates here they were only married for two years right and had no kids right he died they had no kids after ethelwolf's death in 858 judas then married his son ethelbald that's crazy which is kind of weird but they also they also had no kids right and then after ethelbald died two years after that in 860 then she moved back to france and married a guy named Baldwin the First of Flanders, and then and this is just kind of a we've talked before about how genealogies when you go back there's a lot of uh, a lot of verticalness in certain family trees <laughs> or in all of the all of the world, but yes, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in in family trees in general, when you go especially further back, you know there's there's not a lot of horizontal movement, and there's a, there is a lot of uh, yeah verticalness. Yeah. Anyways, so. She moves back to France, or Francia, I guess, and marries Baldwin I of Flanders, and then her son that she has, this is her first kid, her son that she has with Baldwin, who's Baldwin II, ends up marrying, and I am going to butcher this pronunciation, Elfrith of Wessex, who is the daughter of Alfred the Great. So oh, she, wow. So she was married, she was married to Aethelwolf, then married his son, then married another guy, and then their kid married the son of her first husband brother of her se- brother of her second husband's daughter her former brother-in-law's daughter yeah yeah or her, yeah. Missy, her niece yeah that's but not crazy. but not they're not related by blood at all yes exactly right, right i mean right. they I, you go back like well, they probably are a little bit might be, but, but yeah <laughs> yeah i just thought that that was kind of interesting <laughs> that then yeah her her son married alfred the great's daughter and then we think about in the show where it used again the the judith in the show is actually is the daughter of uh king ayla of northumbria but they also yeah. have a little bit of the ickiness when then she starts an affair with Egbert, her husband's father right yeah yeah again that's one of those things where it's like it's an echo kind of of what happened in real life yeah she was married to eighth wolf and then to his son but it wasn't there wasn't anything going it wasn't like at the same time type of thing it wasn't with his father it was with his yeah his son yeah interesting and yeah that's it's yeah i I like the little things that they how they had it kind of tied out together we do see a little bit, and this might be getting into season four too, but we see uh, Eckbert using his Roman bathhouse, and mm-hmm. those are def- definitely a thing in England. And actually, I, I was looking up, uh, I pulled up Bath England today, and just on the map there, like right next to the Roman baths, there's a pub called the King of Wessex. Nice. And I'm like, okay, okay, well, well played, <laughs> well played. <laughs> One more thing about Judith in the show she's kind of like and i didn't really i didn't find any evidence of this but in so i i don't know if this is legit historical or not but in the show she's uh ends up being like very almost i guess the ninth century version of a feminist she's not saying like women are equal but she's saying like 
women should know how to read and write. Oh. And she, and she gets a lot of pushback for that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just thought that that was kind of an interesting thing. I, I didn't see anything that said that she was like that in real life. But um, So in the show, we also have her and Aethelstan start a relationship. Mm-hmm. And of course, Aethelstan is fictional. But right. they, of course, then have the whole thing where she gets pregnant by Aethelstan, who then they kind of make the father of Alfred the Great, which is just kind of ridiculous and alfred the great is yeah. born in this in this season i mean it's hard it's always oh, just weird calling them by their epithet when they are just you know not yet that like he wasn't born ah look at this little baby alfred the great <laughs> like, right yeah it was just alfred and they do have it they kind of make a point that Aethelwolf knows that it's not his kid oh it's a it's a public thing because she's getting tortured they were oh, like cut right. her ears and her nose off. Right, until Eckbert intervenes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she gets her ear cut off and then she says is Ethelstan is the father. To the whole public or just to Eckbert? No, to the whole public because it's a public thing. Okay, yeah. And yeah. that's that's how it, it's it was like a she forced their hand type of deal because she was pregnant when Aethelwolf came back from war and he was like, uh, how's that happen? Right. And so it was like, well, we can't like sweep this under the rug. Like everyone knows Aethelwolf wasn't around and his wife is pregnant now. Right. So yeah, they they say they're going to cut her ears and her nose off, but they end up just I think they cut off one of her ears and then she says, "Oh, it was Ethelstan." And then that's when Eckbert kind of sees the out. He's like, "Oh, this is like a divine intervention type thing." Right. I'll play up Ethelstan is almost like this proxy for God on Earth. Because I'm a big, everyone is a big fan of Ethelstan, and again, I like the character too. But it's actually kind of weird how obsessed Ragnar and Egbert get with Ethelstan. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's interesting and odd. Um, yeah. They kind of both get really, really obsessed. Yeah. They think this guy is so fascinating to the point that yeah, he knocks up his daughter-in-law, and he's like, yeah, because he's like basically God on Earth, and this right. is a divine. Divine yeah. conception, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then and another interesting thing on that note, she so then she has to like her hair is always like off over the one side of her head to cover up her cut off ear for ah. all of the rest of the show, except for one time in one episode, and that's during Alfred's coronation. She has her hair all the way up to show her sliced off ear. Ah, it's crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so on the on the bathhouse thing, the other thought this is something i couldn't find so for years for some reason i don't know where i first heard this i did not make this up but i had heard at one point and it could have just been one of those badly sourced internet things or whatever at some point and i it just kind of made sense or the argument sounded compelling but i could not find anything that said this today i had heard that bath england was not named after the roman baths i had heard that they are called baths today after the city in england oh really but well, again, I I couldn't find anything to back that up though today, oh. and that does actually not seem to be the case. So it's a cool story, but I I could not find the sourcing for that, and so maybe it's all made up. I thought it came from like the verb, like to bathe. You do that in a bath, but as I don't know why I have that impression. I just thought that that was the case. Well, no, right? And right, I don't know. Story, I don't know yeah, honestly yeah. which came first. Like. Language is weird. Yeah. So but... yeah, a little bit of a chicken and egg argument, maybe. But anyway, there, there are these Roman baths. We do see. King Egbert used the Rome, old Roman baths, which is kind of cool if you think mm-hmm. about it. These Roman baths were built in like the first century AD, and we're in the ninth century. So he's this king of Wessex, flexing his muscle and and then uh, feeling the warmth of these you know 
800 year old service seven, yeah 800 year old roman baths that so even then they were just kind of ancient i think that's kind of cool too if you think about this is just so long ago you're talking about the ninth century in england we don't even know much about it and then they're luxuriating in eighth century old roman baths that were kind of left behind by mm-hmm. the romans and all that and uh anyway just cool history stuff i did actually visit those as well too so i was looking for so at first too i didn't think he was necessarily in bath in the show but then I was like Googling Roman baths in England and it was basically like just bath. Like maybe there are others, but like Google doesn't seem interested in any of the others if they exist. It was saying like just the Roman baths in England like are in Bath, England and the other ones that matter. But Bath would fall within what is now Wessex. So it's a ways from Winchester, the capital. Mm-hmm. So maybe they kind of combine some stuff there. But modern Bath does seem to have been or be in what was Wessex. Might be a little too far west, but I, th- I think it is. I did actually visit them in 2010, but, uh, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. He's... <laughs> it's just old, old it's just old, old, cool old stuff in England. Like, I don't yeah. really have any, any stuff. <laughs> no, no, no more anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know enough about the history of that. I was kind of trying to look at the Wikipedia page a little bit, just kind of talk about how, you know, you know, built these baths around some geo- geothermic features, but not necessarily like, natural hot springs per se more mm-hmm. just like where the water goes underground enough that it's warmed under, oh, gotcha. underground so and they kind of built them around that my next note on the show itself here is just kind of this is where i really because i always kind of liked floki in the first couple seasons and i i kind of turned on him here with how obsessive he was with his hatred for christians and anytime ragnar's just even interested in christianity he thinks he's going to anger the gods and then that ultimately culminates in him straight up murdering Aethelstan while he while he's praying because he basically thinks Aethelstan is corrupting Ragnar. Right. So he feels like he's being a good guy, but it's kind of like when uh, Booth shot Lincoln, he thought he'd be heralded as a hero yeah. in s- saving the country, and it's like, no, dude, you're 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 the bad guy here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one too. I actually I kind of forgotten about this, and the way they dealt with it, I thought it was going to have greater implications later in the show and it just never did so it was kind of odd there's this stranger comes to Kattegat well basically all the all the main character men are off in England mm-hmm. you know fighting over there mm-hmm. and we still have Oslag you know at Ragnar's second wife with the kids is just kind of holding down the fort in Kattegat and this wanderer comes and seems to maybe be a spirit of sorts or claims to be and it's just kind of odd so and we're talking about Harbard. Yes. Yeah. In I think it's in the Viking wiki. I think they explicitly say that he is a god a spirit. Like he is a god. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is he based on a particular real life spirit or not? Um, or not real life spirit. But you know what I'm saying? Like old legend. Because they have him as a little bit of a recurring character, and you know he kind of says says things. You know, you know prophetic things or. The, my main note here was his connection with the baby Ivar, who's kind of constantly in pain, and right. that the stranger here seems to be able to ease his pain, which, of course, Oslag, you know, basically that's why she sleeps with him, because she's so uh, happy about him taking care of Ivar. But then, I don't know, I, f- I felt like he was, I thought, honestly, at one point he was going to, like, literally cure him, and he would be able to walk normal again after meeting this guy, but they don't go there. Or if you have him come back later in Ivar's life, but he basically never comes back after these couple times he's in Kattegat yeah. here in Season 3. So it says that there is an old 
poem, an old Norse poem, where Thor encounters a ferryman named Harbard, who is really Odin, and they have a contest where they have to insult each other. Um, <laughs> which is why I guess Floki. They have a roast fest, roast yeah, battle. So Floki is the first one in the show, or is I guess that yeah, he's the first one in the show to say because uh, when he hears the name Harbard, he's like, oh, that's that's Odin, like that's a god. Oh, no okay. one else really. No, I mean, he's just kind of this strange dude, right, that right. Comes around and has some, and, and he, he tries to sleep with all the women. <laughs> Which is fitting with the god coming down like a Zeus or an Odin, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but he also, like, they all dream about him before he gets there. Oh, that's true. So they all have the dream about, oh, there's a guy who shows his hand is bleeding and he's holding a flaming snowball. And Mm. then, like, that exact thing happens. Right, right. This is one of those things in the show where they get into the spiritual stuff. The kind of, like, crossing the... Supernatural threshold. Crossing the boundary into supernatural stuff. And they, that happens a few times with like this guy with the and seer. the seer, right, right. Like I said, I just and again, it wasn't bad. I just I kind of hoped that they were going to do more with his connection with Ivar down the line or something. And it just nothing ever could really kind of. Yeah, he just kind of he leaves and then he like comes back in season four for a little bit and then he leaves again and like that's pretty much it. Right. So he ends up being more of kind of just like a side plot thing that's. Just kind of color the world in maybe a way appropriate for the setting. But I thought it was going to be a more major plot point. He does also, he's the first wanderer that we see. He's not the last one that we see, but there's like wanderers where that was kind of an interesting concept in the show where it's just like these guys who just kind of like drift from place to place and like they know a bunch of languages because they hang out and like, oh, I've, I've been to byzantium or i've been to Rus, or you know i've been to in the later seasons i've been to a mysterious place west of iceland like right it's like just these guys who just kind of and they are almost seen as like kind of quasi supernatural just because they like know all these languages and just know about stuff outside of the world that these people all live in that's true you think about i mean on multiple levels, how hard travel was, how rare travel was, and right. how much was unknown about the outside world, and how you didn't have any kind of media at all, or even a lot of like written stuff at all. So if you wanted to hear stories from someone who had traveled even more than 100 miles away, it'd be like, holy cow, you are amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, it would, it, would keep, it would definitely keep like a whole village or city enthralled with the stories of these wanderers or travelers who, yeah, yeah, yeah that is kind of interesting. Okay, so that's kind of the England slash Kattegat side of what was going on during season three of Vikings. So stay tuned next time and we will get into the Viking raids of Paris. Paris.